Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to our viewers. Apologies for the slight delay. Um, I'm going to make an excuse and say it's because Abdurrahim is up there in a very um, exciting, nostalgic atmosphere at the moment of Newcastle. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if it's because he's the new manager of the football club, but he's up there and there's a lot of excitement because of that conglomerate that is Saudi-backed that is now owning um, uh, Newcastle Football Club. We've lost him a moment. He's been having some technical issues, but I'm sure he'll be back. So he's up there at the moment and he'll explain why he's there. Um, and you are with us, piece of cake, once again. This is going to be a two-parter, and we're going to be looking at fatherhood, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and touching upon some sensitive aspects, I think, for us as fathers, as parents, and, and I'm sure um, many wives and mothers um, and, and brothers will have a lot to say in that regard. Abdurrahim, you on mute, can you take your mute off, my dear Sheikh? Wa alaykum no, salam, brother Khalid Muhammad. So before we begin this uh, show, this particular session of A Piece of Cake, um, I was approached by a, a brother who contacted me on social media and wanted uh, Brother Abdurrahim to clarify a statement last week, which while I understood the context, um, Abdurrahim, I think, will only be too pleased to clarify. And that was when... Um, Abdurrahim said, uh, you said, my brother, um, forget about the Sharia for a moment. And um, so I'm going to let, let you explain that, inshallah. No, I'm really glad the person asked me to clarify that because sometimes, you you know, you can, I can, you know, any one of us could say something uh, and mean something by it. And then people misinterpret what was intended by that. Yeah. So all I mean is that sometimes the skills that are needed, yeah, um, they're really just basic life skills in order to keep a marriage happy and to keep a marriage working. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes we focus so much on, you know, you know, the prophet said this and you're my wife, you need to obey me and you're my husband, you need to give me this and that. And so we, we focus on what the Sharia says, which, of course, I, I'm sure I did say don't get me wrong, of course you don't forget the Sharia. Like, if you pay it back, of course you don't forget the Sharia, right? What I'm saying is that when it comes to marriage, like, don't be so quick to pull out the Sharia card, yeah? Like, don't be so quick to condemn your wife or your husband based upon the Sharia. It's a little bit, I would say, like, for example, if I said forget the Hadood, yeah, obviously you can't forget the Hadood. It's part of Allah's law, right? Astaghfirullah, right? But if I said, but look, if every single time someone transgresses against us, yeah, we bring them to the, the court, yeah, and we're going to have the judgment of the court um, implemented upon everybody who transgresses us in, in any way that is within the Sharia, right? But this is something really, by the way, just to let you know, this is something really discouraged, yeah, within the Sharia, right? Like, you only go to the court under the absolute last, you know, it's the last thing you do, right? Even in Sharia, it's the last thing you do. If someone steals from you, you can forgive them. You don't have to take them to the Sharia court. But once you do, the reason is because once you've done it, that's it. The, the law has to be implemented upon them so you can forgive, 
right? You can overlook. And that's what I'm saying. If you want a successful marriage, that's what I'm saying. Forget the shit. I don't mean forget Allah's law, right? I mean, don't be so quick. Even if you just don't think about constant at all having to implement what the sharia says upon your wife or your husband it goes both ways right i'm saying deal with it with love deal with it with basic you know human uh, what you call it you know interactive you know life skills right mm. that are common between two people that's what i'm saying if you do that that's what you want to aim for inshallah Right. Which is for that. Yeah. That, that, that clarification is very clear. And and remember in that context, I mentioned the afar of um, Ali Rajullah who said that he would not call upon the rights he has upon his wife lest she calls upon yeah. the ones upon him and he yeah. cannot fulfill them. So he's talking there about the Sharia. It goes both ways, well. absolutely. Exactly. Both. So, no, yeah. and wa alaikum salam, sister La Larouk, Octavia, brothers and sisters who've just joined us. So, Abdurrahim, today, and uh, Brother Bilal, welcome. Alani, wa alaykum salam Now, what I wanted to do, and Abdurrahim, we've agreed, and this is going to be the first of two parts, as I mentioned. Um, we've got our brother, dear brother Ilyas, coming with a different angle next week concerning fatherhood. What I, why I wanted to talk about this, and I hope likewise with you, is there's an idealism on one hand regarding us and the expectations of us as fathers. Mm. But then there's a flip side as well. So many of us aspired to and aspire, still aspire, those who haven't got children, to become fathers. The reality is altogether different at different stages of parenting for us. The child is born, the joy and ecstasy is there. Mm. Um, there are those who, unfortunately, and we, we see this in the Quran as well, who are just wanting this um, this patriarchy where they want a boy, they want a boy, they want a boy. Alhamdulillah, you and I, yeah. I don't think we're like that every time our daughters were born. I, that, that was a joyful moment for me. To the extent I was called Abu Banat when I had eight daughters and it was on the ninth that my son was born, mashallah, tarakallah. But that didn't make a um, huge difference to me. I loved having daughters. It, brothers kept saying, do you want, aren't you missing having a son when you're, when the baby's there and you're with your mother, aren't you looking for a son to come out? And I was like, no, I wasn't. I just was, I wanted a healthy child. And every time the child was born, it was a joyful yeah. moment for me. But the point I, I want to mention here, Abdurrahim, that that's the initial stage, that aspiration to become a father. Then there are the, the downsides, the darker sides, the negative sides that are there, which are very rarely spoken of. And mm. there are those who, when the child is born, the nostalgia is woke, has worn off. There's that gloom that you can't sleep at night. Okay, the wife is the one usually um, who helps out. Nowadays, that's changed a lot where um, you're both getting up, nursing yep. the child, raising the child and everything. But then some would realise, I don't really like this. I'm not cut out for this, or I don't know how to do this. I have mm. no experience. Those of us who come from single parent families, yes, we had our mothers there, but didn't have our fathers. So we don't know yeah. how to be fathers. And then let's say, irrespective of that, let's say you had your father there, but you get to a stage where, and I, I've learned something, I'm going to be very brutally honest, that you love all of your children, but you don't necessarily like all of them as their characters grow, as they, as they young, become young adults or they're young adults or whatever, yeah. you become more distant from them when you see that they don't appreciate or respect what you've done for them. 
and the mm. striving and the hardship that you've done for them. So there mm. are downsides, there are dark sides, there are negative sides that oh, many Allah. do not talk about um, and keep quiet about in that instance. And we have stories in the Quran, Abdurrahim. We have yeah. um, what happened to, um, and I'm going to pass over to you shortly. I'm just setting mm. the scene here. We have um, uh, what happened with Yaqub, and what happened to his son, um, his favorite son, um, Yusuf, salam, the story of Yusuf. And the way the brothers treated him and had the patience of um, Yaqub um, in that instance. We have Ibrahim with his father, Azha, and mashallah, we actually. So I'm throwing that all out there, Abdurim. There's so much to cover, but we yeah. usually just focus on, oh, the fatherhood, flowery, and being a father, and everything. Mm. It, we only talk about the good, not the bad, and not the ugly. So here we are as fathers, throwing yeah. it out there that some fathers may have experienced and continue to experience some of the more negative aspects, if you like. MashaAllah, bro. I was just, uh, you know, sometimes I have to, it's interesting, yeah. Sometimes when we're having, a, you know, we're, we're doing our podcasts, sometimes it's like, when's he going to start talking? I want to say something now. And then sometimes <laughs> it's like, why are you stopping talking, bro? Keep talking. Because <laughs> like you throw you threw some really interesting things out there, um, you know. And as as always, it's it's just great to be able to have these conversations. Mm. I think sometimes, literally, just having these conversations and for someone to hear, oh my God, you mean I'm not the only one who feels like that? I'm not the only one who thinks that. Um, oh, so I'm not some sort of uh, psychopath. <laughs> Like I'm just an ordinary human being, you know. I mean, sometimes that's just we may not be offering any solutions, but just to hear that look, there are these two guys involved in Dawa who've been Muslims for ages, and you know, you've been running, been a mirror of Brixton Mosque for years. I'm running I era, you know, high profile, I suppose you could call us, but you know, we, we have our problems, we're human beings, we have our challenges. Mm. I mean, the, I, I don't know, bro, there's so many things you think. I mean, the only thing I thought that I might share with everybody, yeah um is that and i might have mentioned this before but first of all i find babies newborn babies really ugly yeah i i don't get why anyone finds a newborn baby cute they're really ugly um, they get cute when they get a bit fatter and when they start smiling at you and they recognize you yeah but to be honest my experience 13 kids i've had so my experience with you know little babies is that it's like totally mummy territory, yeah? This thing is literally, literally attached to its mother. And I mean, literally like coming out of the womb does not mean it's not attached, like it's attached in other real physical ways. And like that bonding is taking place most of the time. I know of, you know, obviously there's postnatal depression and there's exceptions, but generally, you know, that's with the time when this bonding is taking place. Now, I find that a very difficult stage. For me, I find it really, really challenging um, because it's literally this thing has come and taken over my place. Yeah, I won't deny it. Like, um, and if you've only if you've only got one, maybe if you've got more than one wife, it's not quite so challenging. But, you know, like this thing has become the center of attention, whereas, yeah, you are used to in many ways being the center of your wife's attention right 
Um, and then this sort of thing has, and I'm sure that, you know, Freud must have, uh, Freud and some other psych psychoanalyst psychologists probably written volumes on, you know, what something, something complex, you know, or they probably got a <laughs> psychological paternal, you know, infant displacement, displacement <laughs> complex or something <laughs> right there. But look, at the end of the day, it's all, it's, it just, you know, I don't, you don't need to give it a special name at the end of the day. It's just very simple, right? Um, it doesn't mean I hate the child absolutely not it doesn't go that i mean you know obviously that that's my child it's an innocent you know being um but i i find it a struggle i won't um and it takes me um definitely a certain amount of time to start bonding with a child i don't have any real feeling any strong feelings of attachment in fact to be honest um you know seeing being there and actually you know witnessing my wife giving birth probably actually adds another element of sort of who are you this thing doing that to my wife i mean i look obviously i know this is all this is allah's creation this is the way it is and you know i had this moment um when one of my children was born and i i, I had real existential questions like because what my wife was going through i was really asking like why why allah why 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 is this you know I was really honestly suffering, you know, I was really suffering spiritually, emotionally. And then this amazing thing happened, bro, is that when she was born and she was born on Eid, this one of this, this child, yeah, she was born on Eid. When she was born, the moment she was born, the, you know, the nurse gives her the baby to the, to my wife and my wife, having gone through all of this pain and everything, bro, she looks at her and says, oh, my baby, what would mommy do without you? SubhanAllah. Bro, it was Allah. literally this moment, like even telling it, my hair stands on end. And I feel like really emotional because it was like Allah just answered. I mean, obviously, there was that moment, that deep moment, but it was literally a huge answer for like not just that question I had then, but so many questions to do with suffering and pain and like how much love comes out of how much pain what a paradox how paradoxical is that um so that was a, and, and so her name is ayat because she literally was an ayat she was not an ayah she was many ayat um so yeah but i mean it's just about fatherhood bro it's just the complications the problems the you know the possible detachment um, maybe even resentment that some people may feel as dads towards their kids. And I guess it's quite possible that unless you get a grip with it and you have something to balance it out, like your realization, this is an innocent being, this is a pure being, you know, it's not guilty of anything, right? But it's easy to see how that may for people who perhaps are not so skilled in self-mastery, you know, and they don't have that grounding, that could easily turn into something, you know, really more unpleasant, right? right? That resentment could build and build and build. And I think everyone needs to make sure that if they find that happening, they need to get help. And, you know, they need to be able to talk to someone about it. That's yeah, my experience anyway. Bro. That's, that's I mean, okay. sure. and, and as usual, um, your brutal honesty, that's why we're here. I think this is yeah. one of the things you and I share. But what you said, there's some, some things you said that we think I think are amazing. What you said um, about that moment about 
the the questions you were asking concerning your wife and everything like that what with the pain she was going through and um between us we've got a lot of children you've got 13 i've got 16 mashallah tabarakallah and 10 daughters six sons mashallah tabarakallah but what you said there that still stands true now that still stands because for example now with my children um i say to them you disrespect your mum even my ex-wives um mm. you disrespect your mum remember I knew your mothers before you. They're my wives. You need to, and my ex-wife, should I say, that? and I knew them before you. So how dare you disrespect them? How dare? Mm -hmm. And my kid, my children are shocked. They're like, but where your children? Yeah, you're my children, but they were with me before you were even in existence. So do not mm -hmm. even disrespect them in any way. So what you're saying at that that early stage when the baby is coming out, it's just about to be born. I'm still like that even now, even with my ex-wives. There's that attachment yeah. that was there. That it pre-existed um, the, the birth of my children. So, but what you're saying as well, I disagree with you, but I'm glad you said that because it's a good point. I find newborns and everything beautiful, the, the vulnerability sure, and everything there. I think my my challenge. I mean, you know, when I say newborn, I mean the first, literally the first, like. Oh right, yes, yes. No, I know. The I first know, yeah. week or something. Like that, the first so for weeks. me, look, I see, I see that that vulnerability. I see that that that, that for me, that care, that nurturing. Like for example, my son, Mashallah, my first Mashallah. child was born after 9/11. Um, Elias, he's with me now. He's 20. He was born nine days afterwards, and I remember the protective. Really, bro. Mashallah. Nine days after, yeah. So and in Croydon, May Day. So we were really apprehensive about what would happen. Um, we're so visibly Muslims. Some brothers waited downstairs at the mm. entrance of the the maternity ward. Um, I was upstairs. Mashallah, the midwife was really she could she could sense our nervousness. So she just said to my wife, "Don't worry, there'll be always someone here watching on the door, everything like that." And so that vulnerability at that particular stage that protectiveness protectiveness i felt for him like i felt for all of my children um is something that i felt in the early stages it's later on um when you see i i think the mothers are they're always closer to the child they're always when you feel there's an enabling with bad behavior when children are developing to an extent where, where they, they're testing the waters and everything and being spoiled mm. by their siblings my the, the real challenges for me i'm a disciplinarian and i'm old school that that's me that's, um, yeah. and I say that honestly i'm a disciplinarian in that particular instance and there are particular rules regulations behavior that are unacceptable to me abdurahim and it might be yeah. african caribbean cultural aspect how we are yeah. but but we know from the dean as well you can't say off to your parents now yeah, trust yeah. me my parent my children have said a lot more than off okay so to be mm. frank with you and so these things you're like but the dean says this and not doing what you said like being prescriptive but it's like well whoa hold on a minute the younger the generations are the more disrespectful they become on that occasion but i would come back to you on that that when it gets to a stage where there's resentment you have to check yourself what is this that you're feeling but abdurahim i'm going to throw this out there how bad is that negativity when you know that Allah says to us in the Quran, among yeah. your wives and your children, there are enemies. So yeah. take them in as enemies and be beware of them. And I yeah. didn't understand that for a while until my children got older and I saw certain behaviors like, I understand this now. I understand who and how they can become enemies from yeah. points of deen, from points of behavior, from points of mm. many aspects. I think, yeah, one of the, I mean, that, 
there's something I want to ask you as well, but let, let, let's just um, let's talk about that for a minute. I think one of the greatest and th to be honest, bro, this is a subject that, to be honest, is one of the, you know, like when you talk about you could never talk about the topic of ikhlas enough. Like if you could you just keep on talking about it and it still wouldn't be enough. I think one of the big issues uh, and you and me are very familiar with this topic is the whole topic of tribalism and asabiyah. Yeah. Uh, of tribalism and what a horrific disease it is right um and as the prophet said it's it's sallallahu alayhi wasallam it's something that will never leave the ummah it's always going to be that's not an excuse for it by the way just because no. the prophet said it's always going to be there doesn't mean it's acceptable that's right. right um but yeah i think what that's the fitna of children the fitna of children for me the big fitna is that you will overlook things in them that you should not overlook and mm. that you even worse how about if you support them in evil and wrongdoing right right and you know it's interesting to say about you being a disciplinarian that's a very interesting topic of discussion right um because i think that it opens up this whole subject of well the whole topic fatherhood the good the bad and the ugly mm. and i guess what is maybe potentially ugly I mean, you know, you could, at least for someone looking it from the outside, yeah, um, is that responsibility that you have as a father that you do. I mean, generally, you are expected. I mean, funnily enough, in my house, it's my wife who is the disciplinarian. It's like literally I have to um, I have to intervene sometimes because like she could just take it too far. Um, I mean, she was brought up in a household where she was beaten a lot as a girl as well. Like, I find that extraordinary. But, you know, that was what happened in our household. They were just beaten. I mean, mercilessly. Right. Um, I was only beaten by my dad once. Right. And even then, when my dad was doing it, my brother literally came in. Yeah. He was grabbing my dad's hand and telling him to stop it but i tell you by ya allah knows i deserve that being right i mean he was restrained like i deserved it yeah i was being a real idiot um but that's only once i like my my parents you know never really raised their hands to me i was not brought up in a household where that happened at all in fact to be honest i don't maybe my mum screamed at me a lot my dad almost never right i mean like he would explode once in a while and that he was and then calm down after like i'm like that really um but disciplinarian definitely my mum was that's interesting because my mum was more the disciplinarian than my dad but both of them were relatively chilled as you might expect from sort of liberal middle class you know white people <laughs> just you know think of the stereotype yep it's not that <laughs> far wrong to be honest but they've obviously that's so yeah but what do you think bro about the, the the ugly side from the point of view of the people looking at you and thinking you are ugly that discipline why are you treating your children like that how can you good question be so tough from the outside it's looking ugly isn't it no, e no e even your children get older and they're, they're, they're millennials and everything they may think that for me i've i've questioned that and i'd say to myself but you said use the term very interesting sometimes your father would explode but he wouldn't um smack you in that but he would explode any yeah. parent who's exploding and losing their temper while they're disciplining their children in whatever way you want to call that discipline, verbal or physical, that's wrong because they should never be losing their children. They should be focused. And that's, if, you're, if you're disciplining your child out of anger, then you're wrong. 
then it's wrong. If you're being um, disciplinarian where you're saying I, the child has to learn a particular lesson or not yeah. learn a lesson, but it's something they know, because you, one thing you should, I disagree with, when you discipline a child for something or a young, young man, young girl, for what they, they don't know what they've done wrong. That, now, that's, that's incorrect. Yeah. It's a repeated behaviour. It's when it becomes, when it's willful, when it becomes deliberate. And it can never be pretty, okay? Some call it tough love, everything. I, mm. I was disciplined um, by my parents when, when I was raised with my mum uh, eventually mm. or, um, from the early stage. My mum was a disciplinarian. I don't regret that. And I know that many from the Africa, African Caribbean culture, yep. um, discipline was something that was instilled. For me, if I hadn't been disciplined, Abdurrahim, I'd either be in jail now, um, I'd be dead now. Yeah. I would be, because even though I did do things before I became a Muslim, I would have been far worse, far, far worse and was mm. now um with parenting or uh, from what i learned is that there had to be a parent that you not feared from discipline but you respected the point that you knew you cannot go over the line you cannot step over the line but, okay so when you say a disciplinarian bro can we get like a bit more to the nitty-gritty so like what is your way of dealing with you know a, a child who is clearly being rude um, I know every child is different, obviously, I, I, know, I know that. But in general terms, I'm just giving, I just like, what what, I, what I'm trying to get at is a little bit more of the details of how would you, you know, how would you, um, how can you say it? How, what, what's the literal practical steps? Give, give us an example, a, a scenario. Such and such did this and that. Okay, let's say. You how did... would you discipline them? What would you do? What so punishments stages, would you give them, stages, if so... any? Yeah. Right. So for initially, there would be um, the t uh, asking them, did they know what they were doing? Right. If they didn't explain that to them, let that explanation continue over and over for a few times. But when you saw that this was a willful, like lying, mm. for example, or st stealing, my children are yeah. thinking, but being dishonest about doing things or in that and explaining from the dean explaining practically yeah. explaining morally in those ways and then that builds up into something where it's causing others harm you're causing others to get into trouble you're causing problems for others in this way here now the next stage will be a warning after that if that's going to continue you will be smacked it will proceed to that point of smacking but before that maybe a stage before that um grounding not speaking to them, not giving them the treats and everything that they will have, then the smacking. And sometimes... So, okay, you, so you had called disciplinarian applying some type of physical force? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You see, I like, and it's interesting here, like that, I'm very strict on not allowing that at all. I don't allow any type of physical disciplining of my children by my wife uh, at all. In fact, I've told her that that is my line. Yeah, she is not allowed to lay a hand on them. She can discipline them, right, whatever way she likes. But, and you know what spurred me on is is what Sheikh Nasruddin al-Albani, his fatwa on this issue, that he did not consider it permissible to, um, to you know, to, to deliver any type of physical punishment except for abandoning the prayer. That's the only thing that he allowed a person. And, and, and the reasoning is, which I think is a very sound reasoning, is that physical uh, punishment is literally the most severe thing that you can do. Mm. And if you're going to punish them for other offenses, like the problem is you make abandoning the prayer 
like how do you make it more serious how can you make them understand that um the 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 evil of abandoning the prayer is way way more than the evil of i don't know whatever other thing that you've punished them for right That's and i think point. this is the issue one of the issues that definitely that i don't think i struggle with it but i definitely think my wife struggles with it is consistency so she's quite disciplinarian although i like i have a, a line on physical physical punishment yeah but she's still she's a very strict disciplined person but the thing that i have a problem with i'm interested in do you think you have a grip of this right um like i guess i've introduced the subject is that um how do you make sure number one that the punishment fits the crime yeah and how do you make sure that um the punishment is proportionate yeah and you're consistent okay this is the thing that i've i find is a real problem yeah um is you know with not with you bro obviously i don't know whatever but you know it, within my own context not me personally yeah is consistently it is consistency like so a person may do something a kid may do something that is really outrageous and you know you laugh and giggle at it yeah and then they do something like spill the milk and they get flipping a smack around the ear hole right and it's like you know this, like this you, you've seen it bro this you've seen these yeah. horrifically yeah. badly behaved kids because parents think it's all right for them to behave badly but if they do some other random seemingly random thing they'll just get shouted and screamed at so what do you think no that, your you're thoughts? right i think i think consistency is a difficult thing but and when when looking at this what are we looking at or what are parents who are like this looking at um in the instance of discipline. Now you've just mentioned something. Some of us from our backgrounds, I've seen uh, children starting from a young age. We see it in the supermarkets. We've seen it in our communities where children hit their parents, where ch children um, mm. defy their parents openly. I remember, the, and this was, a, and I remember as a Muslim, but it wasn't Muslims in the car. I was following behind a van and I saw, um, a white man, young man, he must have been in his mid-twenties, and it's clearly his father sitting beside him, and they were clearly arguing in the in the van. And then it shocked me what I saw. And the the, the son proceeded to punch Pummelie's dad in the side of his head continuously, oh repeatedly. And I was following, I actually carried on following them because I thought, I'm going to pull up and jump in and see what, what I can do. I, I couldn't in the end. But I've seen... Children grow to the extent where they physically harm their parents or psychologically harm their parents. I'm, I'll give you a Muslim example. The single mother, and I had to literally, I pulled up her son. Um, and she uh, basically, she, he knew that she had um, a nervous disposition. And he, he was a teenager and he started pretending that he kept seeing jinn in the house. So she was terrified. She was, he's the only son. She was terrified to be in the house on her own whenever he went. And he would be giggling. I've seen him talking to his friends. He'd be giggling, saying what he'd been doing to his mum. So when we realised this, I, she said, can you speak to him? I took him out. And I said, you haven't got a father figure there, but I'll treat you like a father figure. And then he became very clear. He'd be taking money from her to go and do the meter, to put money on, uh, money on the electric or the gas or whatever. And he'd be spending three quarters of it and say, no, it's the people at the shop, people at the shop. And she'd be going down there, remonstrating, shouting, Muslim woman, they think she was some mad woman, okay? 
There are other cases. After you know, uh, uh, there's a brother that you and me knew who was an elder to us. I'm not going to mention his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually actually asked me. He said, "Abdul Hak, please, can you deal with one of my children?" I said, "What do you yeah. want me to do?" Check. He said, "Discipline him." I said, "In what way?" He goes, "I'm too weak. I'm not well enough." Can you rough him up? I said, I'm not going to rough up somebody else's child. Um, I've, had bro- I've had brothers you know have said to me, I've had, just put the, the willies up him, as we say. Just because yeah, yeah. Put the fear of God, they say, isn't it? Because when we're away, God. when we're away, they may be abroad and they're white. When we're away, this individual's turned into a monster and the mother can't handle him. So my thing is, Abdurrahim, it's a really difficult one to cause. But sorry, I'm not saying you. Um, I'm not saying anyone, but... To rub someone on their head and give them homeopathic tablets and say be good and 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 play kumbaya or whatever effectively or the Muslim version of it and stuff like that that it doesn't work with some children and I'm gonna yeah. t- I'm gonna touch upon something here Abdurrahim which some even my children are like whoa how can you bring that but I want you to hear me really carefully on this I often think not that any of us are going to kill our children or do what the the Quraysh used to do be pre Islam but I often want to see a tafsir an explanation in Surah Kaf of why? What what was the character of that child that Khidr killed? What was the, the monstrosity of their behavior that Allah mm. had um, revealed to Khidr that this child will be a trial for the parents when they got older? Now, I want everyone to hear me really carefully because some misunderstand, like, my children, like, what are you saying? You want to kill when you know you don't want to kill. It's, what were the characteristics of that child? And I know it's from the unseen that yeah. would have made that child a trial for the parents. And I'll, I'll mm. come back to you shortly because I'm thinking, do any of our children sometimes possess those characteristics where we have to say, look, you've got to get this under wraps now because once the pen is no, no longer lifted from you, if you've got these traits, you are going to be one who earns the anger of Allah because you will never be pleasing your parents in the one instance. And we know that obedience to parents in the care, in the good, is obligatory. So I often think about that, like, what was the characteristics of this child? What was the, the evil he was going to bring upon his parents? That Allah I think, in one, I think in one translation, Dr. Mustafa Khattab's translation, yeah, it's interesting that I came across the way that he had translated it, which I guess was like he was putting a type of tafsir on it, that's what I think. Um, which it was interesting because I thought, oh, I'd never read it like that before. Um, he said he he mentioned in his trans that the meaning of what he says is that this child was going to lead them towards disbelief. Subhanallah. So his behavior was not just his behavior causing them anxiety. It was of such a nature that he was going to lead them into disbelief, and they were righteous people. So Allah was protecting them from falling, which again goes back to this what you mentioned the quranic um the meaning of the quranic verses where that your you know your wives and children or your husbands and children as i suppose it could mean either right are are a, a trial they are a test for you right and and they they can be a source of evil right uh, for you so uh, that that's perhaps maybe that's why that he was you know had that you know and let me ask be, you this Abraham. let me ask yeah. you this so for example now, well, let's give, give examples. I know of um, brothers whose uh, families, the daughters are out completely doled up in makeup, leaving the home in that way. Um, yeah. The sons are not pract- leaving the home, not um, uh, practicing and going out to do evil. And they're living under the father's roof. They're living under the mother's roof and everything. And you've tried to 
have a middle ground yeah. with them. You've got we've compromised some of our values. We've even had the lesser of the there's been two evils that we've perceived two evils and we've adopted the lesser of the two evils just in order to try and engage and be there with our children and show them mm. that we're trying to be close. And the more that we've done that, the worse they've become yeah. in their practice of the dean, in their relationship with you, because now peer groups have become the family unit, like when we were younger to an extent, but more so because of social media and everything. So everything mm -hmm. that you've tried to do in the sense that those parents who have not been disciplinarian, I'm not saying being disciplinarian always works. I believe it works with me and I know a lot of black family friends and everything and people that I've met and even when I read what some of the stars and everyone have said abroad and they've said, if my parents didn't discipline me, I'll be somewhere else. Some have said, no, it traumatized me and whatever. As you said, there's, mm. where is the consistent line and is it a hard and fast rule that it works, it doesn't work or whatever? Even now, our children, they just have to call social services. Like some Muslims, um, young ladies have done, my parents are forcing me to wear hijab. And I know this happened in Tutin. Police have turned up, taken the young lady away from the family and she's gone into mm. care and, and the hijab and everything's gone off. So... What I'm saying is that it's a difficult one to call, but talking about us as parents now, so for me, and I know other fathers, it's got to stage where it's like, you know what, I give up. So with some of my, my some children, it's like, do, do what you're doing. You can't cut a family and everything like that, but I never had favorites. I always made sure I didn't have favorites, but there, mm. there are those who I'm closer to than I'm not closer to. But it gets to the point where you're like, I don't like that child or what he or she has become. I love yeah. them, but I don't like them. And they may have the same mm. feeling for you. But one thing, Abdurrahim, that I say as a parent, and I'm old school in that way, we're not here as parents to negotiate with our children. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not what parenting is. When you yeah. start negotiating with your children, okay, as far as I'm concerned, you've lost that relationship uh, role between father and, and son, father and daughter. It's not a negotiable role. And they're not our friends. So when you're trying to sort of, I'm going to do this for them if they do that for me. And you see parents negotiating and bargaining with their children. No, that's something I yeah. totally disagree with. I don't, I cannot accept that. Yeah. I mean, I think my attitude is a bit different. Um, I think that like I, my attitude, I try to have this attitude. I wouldn't say I'm con that consistent about it, but, um, and it's interesting because I think it ties very much into what you were saying about you love them, but you may not like them. And it's a little, it's a bit different. I think like when I, first of all, you know, there's a stage when children are not children anymore. They're mm. adults. Mm. And I think personally, I think it's really problematic when you don't treat them as an adult. And then you complain, why are you behaving like a child? Because right. <laughs> you keep treating them like a child. Yeah. Right. And like, I find a lot of this sort of, this psychosis, this, I know that's not the right word, but this sort of um, almost schizophrenia that people have in the way that they treat their children. On one hand, they want them and talk to them and expect them to be like adults, yet they'll constantly, you know, interact with them and uh, treat them as if they are children. Um, I don't see how that is healthy on any level. And so from my perspective, like, although having said that, with my kids you know to be honest when my, when my girls you know when their periods start i say you're a woman now you know and that may be young <laughs> they may be 13 and mm. i know they're not really 
really a woman, right? In, in the sense that we may think of it. But I know, well, at the end of the day, you know, I used to say this back in the days in my talks, stop, TT, stop. I, I said, you should drop this term teenager, drop it. There never was such a thing as a teenager. That's true. Like this is a new thing in human history, this in-between stage where you're a teenager and somehow you get some special dispensation yeah, to behave in a particular ridiculous way because you're a teenager. Right. Yeah? And it's just a modern invention. There was a time when you were a child and then when you reached puberty, you were an adult. And, when, and what marked that tr transition was an initiation ceremony the Maasai men go out and kill a lion, right? Some people have to go and live out in the forest and the jungle. The women, perhaps they get separated and they have to live in a particular place for a certain amount of time. Whether it's men or women, they, they would go through certain ceremonies and that would mark their transition. And then from that time on, they would work with the adults and get treated like an adult and they would have to find their way within the adult world, right? Right. Right. They didn't have some special dispensation. And I'm still very much, that's really old, old school. Yeah. <laughs> like if you want old school, this is really old school. But I fundamentally believe that. I think this whole teenage transition thing is wrong. It's dangerous. Um, and it's a sick, I think it's actually a sort of really sick and sad thing that that is a license for all sort of horrific behavior. Yeah. Right. So no, right. My, my attitude is that, but with that comes, a thing that if that how what can i say is that in a sense they're not going to treat you like daddy anymore right so that's the thing so my interaction with them is more like an adult to an adult and that's where the issue of friendship comes in because if they're the sort of person i would like to have as a friend i'll be friendly with them and if they're not guess what i won't really be that friendly with them because what you know like it's a reciprocal thing isn't it right if they're friendly with you you're friendly with them if they have certain behaviors and they have certain behavior patterns you're going to feel an affinity that's right. what we became muslim for bro you know the prophet said be, be careful who you take as your friends because you right. will take your religion from your friends and i guess that goes for your kids but you're right you'll always love them because they're, they're your kids and you will always you're going to have some level of responsibility and just by the way see the thing is is that it doesn't mean they don't respect you as a parent because that's in a sense a separate thing because because from the point of view of what islam teaches they they need to respect you as a parent because of what you've done for them and that's part of their religious obliga obligation just like praying five times a day right and they need to know that so with that that however friendly you are with your kids, there's got to be a limit that I say to my kids, wait a minute, look, I'm not trying to pull this on you, but don't forget I'm your dad. And that's not the appropriate way to behave with your father. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. That's not like we could. Yeah, that's true. We can be cool. We can whatever, but I'm still your father. And you don't talk to your father like that. You don't talk to your mother like that because that can never go away. All right don't forget these things so i guess that's my attitude you know i think that's, um, no, that's I think my they converge of, I, 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 what yeah. you're saying, like my my children alhamdulillah all of them virtue because your eldest is like 20 right now my my, my my oldest no 31 i'm a grandfather for four oh, grandchildren yeah, so your time. eldest is what was i going on about 20, 20 yeah my so oldest is my oldest is 32 and no because you said your first child was born on 9 11 
No, my first, my my son born after nine. First oh, child your born son. after nine. Yeah. Okay, no, no, no your no, first, first child born after I, w- nine. I was sitting there thinking to myself, I sure no, Abdul no, no, no. had kids before <laughs> nine eleven. Yeah. Like, I was no, thinking, no, no, no. All right, my first whatever, child... if you say so, bro. Well, I just yeah, thought, no. So alhamdulillah, no, my first child after nine eleven. I was speaking out was the asthma child. But no, so we. So, so my oldest is you see thirty, bro, is like yeah. that's a proper, that's a grown up, and, and he's, he's a dad. Back. She's a she's a mum, right? Beautiful, beautiful mother, beautiful daughter. Yeah, yeah she's my firstborn, mashallah. So my, for me, yes, all of what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. When I say um, not being friends, I've got some very good relationships with a number of my my children, and the, the, mm. the greater proportion of them. What I'm saying though is, as you said exactly, you summed it up quite correctly friendship but they've got to know the parameters of that friendship you're not their peer who they can who they treat differently to how they behave with you as a parent also getting friends we've got friends we always bounce off our friends how they're getting on what experiences they have and everything like that but then no one can your children can't make you into their friend's father and vice versa what do i mean by that they can't try and transpose characteristics of their friends' parents onto you. Not that that's happened to me. I don't think it's happened to you. But some in children think that this is what my ideal father should look like. And if yep. he's not that, if he's not that, then I've got an issue. He's not this. He's not that. Now, you could have done the world for them. You could have given them the world. And I suppose mm. that's part of them growing up and experiencing things. Like a number of my children, my sons particularly, when they went out into the world, they contacted me now. Dad, we understand now. Um, can you guide us in this or can you remind us of this? And that's yeah. part of the growing up process. And I, and, and I, I appreciate that. I, I really do appreciate that. I think what you said about the teenage phase is something that is a lesson. And I agree with that entirely. That's a, yeah. that's a lesson for us all. Because as Octavia has highlighted, that is a, a time period, an excuse for them, like you've said, to be do horrendous behavior. I know mm. I was a monster when I was a teenager. I could be a charming one at that. But I was like, I'm a teenager. I can do what the hell yeah. I want. Um, yeah. And as in my, with my the, the background and socio-cultural background I come from, you just got to look in South London, the killings, the stabbings, everything that's going on. That was a culture we came from in the yeah. name of being teenagers um, and destructive in that way. So I think moving it on, Abdurrahim, Let's be honest, and I have to look inwardly, and I think a lot of us have to look um, retrospectively as well, and inwardly, reflectively, should I say, how much of our own childhood and way we were raised by our fathers, if our fathers were present, has affected how we parent subconsciously? And sometimes I think to myself, when I'm being a particular way of my children, I've been stern with them, I'm like, my mum and dad divorced when I was young, when I was about eight, nine years old. Mm. Um, and he, he left the country when I was 13. But I suddenly start feeling, oh my gosh, am I turning into my dad? Because I wasn't very close with my father, okay? I wasn't yeah. close with him. When he died and he came, he was in the UK when he passed away and I was by his deathbed and moments before he died and everything, um, we weren't close. It wasn't something, did, was there remorse when he passed away? There was remorse, he's my dad, from a biological perspective. There was remorse yeah. that um, we could have been closer if our relationship had been better, as close as he was to my younger brothers from his um, last marriage and my, my older yeah. brother. I, I was yeah. a middle child, black sheep of the family, still am now, so all, all, all of that. But so for me, I started looking at things and saying, am I adopting, even with my mum, 
because my mum was a disciplinarian, but she's very warm, she's loving, she still is now and everything, but she was quite strict. And sometimes I hear echoes, something comes out and like, I sound like my mum. I'm being as yeah. strict as my mother. I'm being as strict as my father. And does that make me feel happy? No, it doesn't. Mm. When I see, when my wife is telling me she sees particular traits in my sons, the good, the bad and the ugly, and she says, that this one particularly resembles you, not only in features, but in his fearlessness and his, his arrogance towards me and his defiance and everything like that. And I'm like, no, he doesn't resemble me. She goes, he does, <laughs> this is you, this is you. So, and I'm like, whoa, hold on a minute. If I was like that, I must've been a monster when I was a child. There's yeah. all these things that come back and it's difficult when you are looking at yourself as a father, as a parent. So some of us, some parents, and I'm gonna say this, Abraham, I don't know about white fathers, one day I said, no, more than one day, recently I said, I know why fathers sometimes get up and disappear. Yeah. I know what, and it shocked me that I had that. I've never done that. I've raised all my 16 children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know why now. So I just said, well, hold on. I'm not appreciated. Yeah. I've gone through all of this. All these children have grown up. Yep. And I'm not I totally get that. And I totally I, you know get what? That. So I realise now, and I've read yep. about black fathers, white fathers. I don't know about the uh, South Asian community, but white, they've got up and they've just disappeared. That's it. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't give an explanation, but they've left a oh, yeah. seemingly good home. I mean, I, I, to be honest, bro, I I go through um, that, that. That thought goes through my mind a lot, a lot, oh, a lot, a lot. And um, yeah, it it really does. <laughs> I, I yeah, it really does. Like I used to, I, I sort of said it, you know, used to joke about it. But I think it's one of those things that's probably true. If like I hadn't become Muslim, I probably would have been a beach bum, you know, like literally, you know, hanging out on the beach, surfing, windsurfing, you know, whatever, just like living the what people think is the best life, but it's actually just a trashy life. But um, but at the same time, it's this life like lacking any real responsibilities and just literally indulging in, you know, the, the pleasures that this world has to offer. Um, so, like, you know, the commitment that comes with fatherhood and the commitment that comes with marriage, it doesn't come necessarily that naturally to me. And to be honest, I mean, I wish I could be more like my dad. Yeah. Uh, as a father, yeah. Well, I'm alhamdulillah I became Muslim, but like I always often say, that the only thing I can think about my, you know, my parents that was, if I was going to say there was something wrong with them, it was just that they weren't Muslim. I mean, they parented me really, really well. And considering, you know, what I went through and how they dealt with it, I look back on it and I think they managed it. They managed me amazingly. They parented me really, really well. And you know, like I have so much to thank them for you know the the good side of me that you know that there is and including you know sticking around you know and being there for my wife and my kids my my very strong tendency is like and i think my wife knows it that's why she sort of lets me go out mountain biking and do things and go on my dower trips and you know i, ha I have to have these adventures in my life you know, um, because, yeah, I literally could. I honestly wrote this is, and I've had these conversations with my wife generally about men. And maybe this is an interesting thing, I, you know, because it's about fatherhood. Um, that, yeah, men can do that. 
they can literally just, I think anyone can, but maybe particularly men can just literally walk out and not look back. And I could literally, I know this is, it sounds horrific. And my kids, I'm sure I've told them, they were just like, they're, they're horrified. And it's not that I don't love them. It's just that I have this very scary ability just to switch off and not think about anybody or anything. And, uh, you know, that's it. I, could, I can do it literally very easily. And it's interesting, my wife said, I think men have to be able to do that because men are the ones who have to go out and fight wars. And if they're thinking about all the time their kids and their families, how would they even be able to go and fight a single battle? How would they be able to go and leave their, leave their families and go and fight wars? Because that's what men have been doing most of human history, right? <laughs> so you have to have some ability just to sort of switch and just be in a different place, a different mode, a different zone, you know? Yeah, and I guess a Octavius, lot of men come Octavius back from these wars, and she, they just—they're just stuck in that zone. They exactly. don't know how to switch back again. Octavia's disagreeing with us, and I think Octavia. Yeah, you, no, I'm great. You, 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 you need to look, Octavia. I proffer that you need to look um, from without, from outside the paradigm that you're. Yeah, Octavia, at. we're not saying. Sorry to interrupt, bro. Octavia, don't get us wrong. We're not blaming the children. Yeah, we're just That's talking right. about the psychology of the man. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it's not the children's fault. It's just how the man's brain can work. Like, you know, people may say women are a mystery and you can't understand them. Well, I think men's, if you look at it, it's not that hard to understand. We're just telling you how men think their brains are, yeah. 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 And it's not That's about being strong. Yeah, it's not about being stronger or better than that. It's a, So at the, at the end of the day, Octavia, with, with women, women, mothers... They deserved respect. The dean says that three times the rights the mother has over the father, as we mentioned yeah. um, last week, and that's that's drummed in. Paradise lies at the feet of the mother, and, and all of this it's drummed in and everything. With the father, it should be a given. Um, yeah, the child may think they're to blame, but yeah, the child Octavia's may think they're to right. blame for, for she, she's right in that instance. But the point yeah. is this: okay, I think she's the, right in saying it's a weakness. It's a weak man. It's true. I agree with her. It is a weakness. Yeah, it is. That's what you're because basically when you do that, most of the time you're just giving in to your whims. You're giving in to your desires. You're just not taking the responsibility. So, um, OK, let me ask this right hang on that. So, yeah, we have the mothers talking about mental health, well-being, needing space and everything like that. So that so, so that the father can't have that particular feeling that we're well, holding a minute. When the wife is unappreciated, you hear everything about it. When the mother is unappreciated, you hear everything about it. So a father can't feel that way, okay? Yeah, and he can. I, I think that's a good point. You need to reemphasize so that point. Bro. Yeah, he, artic he articulates it. It's, mm. It falls on deaf ears. It falls on deaf ears of the wife. Um, it falls on everybody's deaf ears. And he just says, I need this space. I, I'm going to do me because I appreciate me. And he's weak. But Abdul Haq, wouldn't we say that, like I would always say, like I say to my wife, my kids and myself, that's why we need to do things for the sake of Allah, not because I want appreciation. You're a good father because Islam teaches you to be a good father and Allah will reward you for that. If your kids never show appreciation for it, it doesn't matter because Allah will show you appreciation. Allah yeah. will reward you. Yeah. And that's, again, the benefit of being a Muslim. I, I say that to my wife about being a wife. Yeah. You know, do things, don't expect me to appreciate it. Like, I should do, you're right, I should. It's wrong if a man doesn't appreciate things for his wife. But don't expect it. Expect your reward from Allah. Do it for the sake of Allah, and you'll find, actually, that's so much better. Because human, 
everybody will let you down. This is just the biggest fact. If you haven't understood this in life, you know, your tests are going to keep coming until you understand it. There's one thing you need to understand in life. Everyone will let you down. Every human being. It doesn't matter who they are. Your mum, your dad, your kids, your dearest, the nearest, the most. Everyone. The only one who never lets you down, who never breaks his promise, who is true to everything that he says is Allah. Mm. That's a simple fact. Absolutely. And, th- and that's the reality. Your kids will let you down. So like it's a I think it's a methodological mistake and it's a mistake in ikhlas to really ex- you shouldn't be a good dad expecting gratitude from your kids. However, we know that being grateful to the creation is part of being grateful to Allah. And so what is painful is when children are ungrateful to their parent, mm. whether it's the mother or the father. The what should really pain us as Muslims is that that is something that is displeasing to Allah and that will only make them more distant from Allah, right? right? But we shouldn't take it personally. I'm, to be honest, bro, I'm way too busy in my life and i got too much to do to care about whether my kids are grateful to live. The point is a good point. And I think that's, yeah. that's, that's the key. You've hit the key at this stage. That the, the disappointment, the upset, is when you see that detachment from Allah, and that's all you've tried to raise and inculcate yeah, in, in them. Yeah. So when yeah. you see that, as I said, coming back to it, when you see the daughter without hijab, when you see, and it's not just, I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about, I've seen brothers and, and fathers and the, the, how yeah. rough they are, because you've done all of this to nurture and inculcate them in them. So the daughter's not wearing hijab when she goes out of the home. We know the hadith about the veil being removed between her and Allah, wearing makeup, dressing in a way that is not pleasing to Allah. The son is behaving in a particular way when he's going out of the home, and you're witnessing yeah. that out of you. So your disappointment and your upset is not for yourself, and we're mm. not trying to live and uh, our ideal self through our children and parents who do that are wrong you should not try and juxtapose or transpose what you um wanted in your own life onto your children any parent doing that has to um, press the reset reset button and re-examine what why they're parents but when you see that your children not that they're not practicing the deen as you are but they're not mm. even looking at the rudimentary understandings of everything because they're seeking an altogether different reality but Abdurrahim, what I would say, this has been. Yeah. Good. I to, this is I another. This is such. This is another, bro. This is another good topic. Next week we got a part two. But the point I want to highlight yeah. here, Abdurrahim. Let's so, Abdurrahim, what is a good father? Now I'll be frank. Um, for me, that's something. I don't think I'm a bad father. I don't think I'm a brilliant father either. If I'm being honest, I'm judging myself. I don't think I'm a bad father. Some would say you are because you you're disciplinarian. I don't think I'm the, the most perfect fam- father. Others would say, who know me and my, some of my children, look at what you've done for your children. What is a good father? I think a good father is when your kids say that you're a good father. That's all. Got, what if <laughs> that's sort of it at the end what of the day. Split down if the your middle, kids thought you were a good dad, then that's a pretty good indication that you're a good dad. What if you've got three quarters saying you're good and a quarter saying that you're not? Yeah, and I think it's still pretty... It's that pretty quarter, sure you have you're to a pay good attention dad. To. You've got to pay attention yeah. to that quarter. I think you've got over 50% saying you're a good dad, you're a good dad. Like, if no one's saying you're a good dad, you're a bad dad, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, that's look, true. With, with you and me, we've got large numbers of kids. A lot of people have only got one or two kids. So it's a different category of measurement. If your kids are just sometimes they're just literally ungrateful brats and that's it. And shaitan has taken them astray and it doesn't matter. Like you said, you've done everything for them. 
yeah and they treat you like rubbish that doesn't mean you're a bad you know you're a bad dad um it i i th i'm not i'm not sure you can measure it because at the end of the day i think you you shouldn't measure it you shouldn't try to measure it by the results because no what we what you have to recognize what everyone has to recognize is that there will come a time when your child is a fully independent human being that will make their own conscious decisions based upon their exercising their free will right mm -hmm. you you are not responsible for that you can That's put right. everything into them you are not responsible for that they have made their own decisions otherwise free will and choice wouldn't mean anything we could mm. just turn our kids into ottomans and robots we just put in the program we get out the result but human beings are not like that they're not supposed to be like that that's it that's the whole meaning of agency yeah, yeah. so you know we can see look at look at nuh alayhi salam who is better than nuh Mm. Yeah, his son didn't want to listen to his dad. No, I'm going to swim to that mountain. You know, is Nuh to blame? Was he a bad dad? A stuff Very true. Very true. Absolutely. And then you, you, when you look at Yaqub as well. Um, what Yaqub's children did. Yes. And, and they're like, look our children that. have done that. But then look at the outcome at the end. Um, from yeah. them came Al Asbat when they, they, they came back to their father repentant and to Allah first and foremost. And we see the ayah in Surah um, Al Baqarah. When he said, "Who are you going to worship after I'm gone on his deathbed?" and they said, "We're going to worship the the, the Lord of." And that's it, bro. Yeah, you hit the so nail on the head. That, the that, ultimate, that the ultimate thing is at the bottom line is, just like everything else, you know, you you got to give dawah to your kids. You got to invite them to Tawheed. You got to invite them to Allah. You've got to give them all of those opportunities to connect with Allah, right? And I guess that that's got to be the most important thing. When you see a glimmer of something that maybe shook you you correct it you see that's the thing right we'll make a big deal about a whole bunch of things but someone says something that is shirky or does something that has that and it's just like yeah whatever we don't even give it a time of day you know mm, um, so i think that the key like we always have to remember that's the most important thing i to be honest when it comes to things like hijab and these things for me these are relatively compared to the issue of tawhid and shirk they're relatively not they're not that big in the scale right and I, I can totally understand a girl or you know in this day and age who's going to really struggle where i don't think dads should beat themselves up about that honestly mm -hmm. i don't beat myself up about it with my daughters yes yeah, some of them do some of them it's very iffy hijab yeah and you know we advise them what can you do i i understand the struggle the struggle like the struggle is real and that's not a joke that really is is real right. and i don't think often they don't do it out of rebelliousness or wanting to displease allah it's just that like most human beings bro we're social animals we find it really hard to go against the grain and to stand out and be super super different from everyone else right right we just want to fit in um, at least, you know, not to stand out too much. So that's mm. how the hijab, it's there and they're proud of it. But, you know, you and me wouldn't define it as a hijab. It's like, that's not hijab. <laughs> but, you know, at least they're doing something. Yeah. And, and it's, more, then, it's more than the head covering. That's, I'm joking, the, yeah, the yeah, of course more, it is, bro. Like, let, listen, let's and, not get into yeah, that topic. But that's the right. point that yeah, I'm trying to yeah. say, bro, is I understand where their struggle comes from. And I don't think you or any other Muslim dad, especially from our generation and group of people who have tried really hard to bring them up a certain way, 
we should not beat ourselves up too much and, and think they're like, don't think too bad of your kids either. That's the other thing I'm trying to say is because mm. they struggle with something. Don't, don't make it too, if they started worshiping idols or they, you know, astaghfirullah, they followed another religion or became atheist or even that, to be honest, even that I would say, don't beat yourself up. Like it's not your, like they, like it goes back to what I said, they have agency, they have free will. They're going to make their choices. Mm. You've done your best. The only question you have to ask yourself, and this is what I would ask. I would ask a lot of Muslim parents, and I have been, bro. You and me, we've been asking these questions and getting parents to ask these questions since we started our dawah, right? Is, are you really raising your children with the values of Islam? Mm. You know, that's the real question. Are you really? Because, bro, it's not so long ago when we were facing a different problem. We had kids, girls who wanted to wear hijab and parents who were taking them off and ripping them up and That's tearing right. them up. That's right. I remember. And then days. those same parents come along crying to us saying, oh, our daughter treats us like this and treats us like that and wants to put us in an old age home. Oh, really? Right. Surprise, surprise. Right. Yeah. No, I, those, those days were not that far. Now, as usual, this has been a fascinating discussion and, and brothers and sisters and non-muslim guests who are looking are looking in and watching you'll see abdurrahim and i we share personal thoughts personal experiences which is a big thing to do actually i didn't plan to to share some of the things that i shared and i'm sure abdurrahim didn't but one of that's part of being transparent one thing that you'll see with abdurrahim and myself is that we wear our heart on our sleeves um warts and all we correct each other you see us disagreeing in the show um, we've got a lot of love for each other for the sake of Allah, mashallah, tabarakallah. And um, it's safe with us sharing. And one of you, I think it's Ibtisam, some of you, brothers, sisters, all of you have made some amazing contributions. But one of you mentioned about being safe, your children being safe, secure, not only me mentally and physically, but spiritually being raised in that environment under your household. Um, yep. and, and, and that, and especially in the West, that's a really, really important um, achievement to enable our children to be in such an environment. So yeah. what's a good dad, as Abdurrahim said, how can we define that in, in, in and of itself? We have the, the parameters, we have the religious guidelines in, in that instance. Um, the bad side of it, we have to check ourselves. Um, is it us who that badness is coming from and we're bringing it up from our childhood or previous experiences and everything? There's an element of that that may be in there as well. Um, uh, 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 some of you may not have heard that phrase of loving your children but not liking some of them occasionally. Yeah. That's a reality that's there. And I think what Abdurrahim was saying about the detachment issues that, and what I said about fathers and everything, can be, all of these are things we want to share. And for the sisters who are wives, um, who are mothers raising sons who are going to marry one day. If this show can help in any way, just to, to lay it out there, then I hope we've achieved that. And there's going to be a yeah. part two. Ilyas is a, a, an expert in, in some areas of parenting fatherhood that he looks at um, in this field. And, and John Fontaine, John, you, you always come with these, these gems of questions and maybe you should come on the show yourself. What, yeah, advice, you where, what, would you, what advice would you give to your younger self in the early stages of fatherhood that's a fantastic classic podcasters question bro isn't it yeah that's right so i i will summarize it in in this way and i'll let abdurahim conclude on that what i would say to myself to be patient 
with myself um that is a completely clean slate and canvas that i was not always going to get it right and that whatever picture i had in my head about what fatherhood looked like to make sure that i'm following the prophetic model in his character and how he was with his children and nothing else no one else yeah. i would say i would say to my myself as a younger father i would actually tell myself to chill out a bit definitely i would tell myself to chill out a bit i think i'm definitely think i'm a better father now it would be desirable. i mean what sort of thing like what if you're 13 kids later and you're not a better father what the hell right have you learned nothing so i would definitely tell myself to chill out especially with my two boys um i remember i was probably way way too tough and harsh with them there are some things that are still etched in my brain that i did to them that until today i feel like that was just so wrong and over the top yeah um so that's probably i'll just say just chill a bit you know but i was really young you know and uh, they took the brunt of Likewise. it and girls Likewise. girls soften you up as well so yeah that's it really bro it's been amazing bro it's been another like you know bro we have a discussion like that and i feel from our discussion right it's like the hydra's head except that's probably a wrong that's a negative example to give but yeah you chop one off and like another five come <laughs> it's like we deal with this topic and another 10 topics come out of that one topic you know it's just like but yeah it's like it's been a fantastic discussion bro and jazakallah it's been so interesting as always bro listening to it to you know what you have to say and i love it because apart from anything else bro it you know you always get me thinking as well i love that you know it doesn't happen likewise. that much these days <laughs> likewise um, agree and i think that the, the uh, our brothers and sisters who con contributed john with that that yeah, yeah, golden question for everyone's sister Amal, uh, La La all of you octavia um malahat yeah. um bilal so many of you alpha have given so much with reading what you're saying you i think you know that we're not ignoring what you're saying some of you are challenging us as well which i think is excellent and may allah accept this all from us i mean I'm, inclu I'm including all of you have contributed and we look forward to seeing you next week for a part two of this fatherhood now sisters when it turns on to focusing on uh, our sisters on women remember we're not going to come from that major uh, uh, patriarchal misogynic perspective 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 sorry misogynistic perspective but we are going to move down that direction so you need to be ready for that as well inshallah so you didn't offend anyone octavia don't worry about it not at all we like we like your interaction okay bro that's it from me inshallah bro it's been a pleasure this is abdurrahim green and that one over there is abdul haq baker and this has been a piece of cake assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh